book of Luke chapter number 4. I'm going to tell you, I, deep waters this morning. I thank God for His presence. And uh, I ask you to pray with us the next few moments. i very uh, motivated about what I'm going to preach this morning. But I'll tell you what God put on my heart to preach tonight. If it doesn't change, um, if He doesn't change uh, anything, then I um, hope you'll come back tonight. One, because you love the Lord. Two, I want you to come back because I feel... Uh, such a burden to preach what I'm going to preach tonight and I pray that God will use it to be a help to all of us. Luke chapter 4 and verse number 16. The Bible said, And he came to Nazareth where he had been brought up and as his custom was, he went up into the synagogue on the Sabbath day and stood up for to read. And there was delivered unto him the book of the prophet Isaiah. And when he had opened the book, he found the place where it was written, the Spirit of the Lord is upon me because he hath anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. He hath sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to preach deliverance to the captives, and to recovering the, the recovering of the sight of the blind, to set at liberty uh, them that are bruised, to preach the acceptable year of the Lord. And he closed the book and gave it again to the minister and sat down. And the eyes of all them were, that were in the synagogue were fastened on him. And he began to say unto them, This day is this scripture fulfilled in your ears. And all bare him witness and wondered at the gracious words which proceeded out of his mouth. And they said, Is not this Joseph's son? And he said unto them, Ye will surely say unto me this proverb, Physician, heal thyself. Whatsoever we have heard done in Capernaum, do also here in thy country. And he said, Verily I say unto you, No prophet is except his, in his own country. But I say unto you of a truth, Many widows were in Israel in the day of his eyes, uh, when the heavens were shut up three years and six months, when great famine was throughout all the land, but unto none of them was Elias uh, sent, save of Seraphat, a city of Sidon, unto a woman that was a widow. Many lepers were in Israel in the day of Elias the prophets, and none of them were cleansed, saving Naaman the, the Syrian. And all they, they in the synagogue, when they heard these things, were filled with wrath, and rose up and thrust him out of the city, and led him to the brow of the hill whereon their city was built, that they might cast him down headlong but he passing through the midst of them went his way father I pray this morning that you'd help us and touch us these next few moments thank you for the good singing the good presence of God and the testimonies and I pray for liberty I pray for a physical and spiritual touch emotional touch this morning and we'll give you the glory and honor and praise for it all in Jesus name we do pray amen amen you can be seated this morning you know the entire life of Jesus is amazing isn't it and when you think about the life of Christ, that we make much of his life and we make much of him because of who he is and the gospels in of themselves uh, give us a record of less than 40 days of events that transpire in the life of Christ. But yet we're amazed at, at his life. We're amazed at his ministry. We're amazed at his death. And certainly we were amazed at his resurrection when we think about the life of Christ. In the life of Christ, the Gospels give us a brief summary of his life. They talk about the 36 miracles of the Savior, the 38 parables of the Savior, the 19 prayers of the Savior, the 45 predictions, 
conversations of the Savior, the 36 dialogues and conversations of the Savior. We, they talk about the 16 Old Testament references of the Savior, the 22 quotes of the Old Testament by the Savior. They give us the 37 names and the titles of the Savior. They give us the 15 kinds of sufferings of the Savior as he went to Calvary. And they talk about and give witness of the 27 souls that were conveyed, converted by the Savior. The seven last sayings of the Savior. The ten resurrected appearances of the Savior. And many various places that was visited by the Savior and many individuals that met the Savior. All of these are recorded in the Gospels. Now, we know that Jesus went many places and that he visited many people and many miracles were done. Some that John said were not even recorded. These things. But there were many other things that we do not know that are not recorded in the Gospels. And when you think about the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, and Luke, and John, and how that they elevate uh, the, the Jesus Christ himself, Mark, uh, Matthew paints him out to be the great king of the Jews. And Mark, uh, listen, Matthew picturing that line, and Mark picturing him as an ox, the servant of God. And then Luke picturing him uh, as the son of man, the great uh, physician. And then uh, uh, John picturing him as a, a soaring eagle as the gospel goes to all the world as he is the Lamb of God that will take away uh, the sin of the world. I mean the gospels in and of himself uh, uh, magnify the life of Christ uh, and the gospels can be read uh, uh, through every single month uh, uh, just by simply reading 18 minutes a day. You can read through the gospels every month. Uh, you say preacher why do you say that? Because the life of Christ is so amazing uh, that you and I ought to have a desire to want to know more about our Lord. Amen. I want to know as much as I can about the Old Testament. I want to know as much as I can about the epistles and the revelation of Jesus Christ in the end. But I'm just drawn in and just intrigued by the life of Jesus here on earth. For 33 and a half years, he walked in this earth, on this earth and for 30 of those years, much of it in obscurity. But the last three and a half years, Christ came forth like a flower blooming in the springtime of life. And when you look at the life and the legacy and the ministry of Jesus Christ, everywhere he went, every city he walked through, every village that he trotted, every individual that he came in contact with, every word and every syllable that was ever recorded that fell from the lips of the darling Lamb of God, it's made a difference. It's made an impact for time and eternity because that that's who he is. He is just so wonderful. He is just so amazing. He is just so magnificent. He is just so captivating. It makes me wonder if just a portion of the writ, holy writ, could do this to our lives. What is heaven really going to be like when faith ends in sight and we see Jesus Christ not as a peasant, but we see him as the king eternal, the king immortal, the king invisible, the king of the ages, the king of the king, kings, when we see him face to face in all of his splendor, in all of his majesty, in all of his glory, I tell you what we're going to do. We're going to do what we're trying to do this morning, but we're going to do it in a glorified body, in a glorified age, in a glorified time, in a voice that'll never tire, that'll never grow old. We're going to make much of Jesus Christ throughout all of eternity. Hallelujah. Yeah.
we're going to spend it magnifying the Lord Jesus. Amen. And my friend, the gospels also this morning give us the 16 sermons, recorded sermons of the Savior. We know that Jesus preached far more than 16 sermons, but the gospels record the 16 sermons of, or 16 of the sermons of our Savior. And may I say this morning, when we come to our text, what we have is Jesus in the synagogue announcing his public ministry and announcing his call to preach. Amen. And I want to preach a few minutes this morning on this subject on Christ, uh, the Prince of Preachers. Amen. Uh, Christ, uh, the Prince of Preachers. Uh, you'll notice in verse 18, he said, The Spirit of, Lord, of the Lord is upon me because he hath anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. Amen. He said a little bit further in that passage uh, to preach deliverance uh, to the captives. Uh, and then in verse number 19, he said to preach. Uh, the acceptable year of the Lord. There's a lot of things in those two verses that Jesus said he is going to do. But one thing is magnified above all this morning and it is the preaching of the Lord Jesus Christ. And you know, I just want to stop and say this morning, I thank God for preaching. Amen. I'm telling you, I love singing. I love shouting. I love testifying. And we got to have every bit of it. Somebody say amen. We can't leave any of it out. But I look back through my life and what has been the stay in my life. What's kept me in the right way. What's brought me to the foot of the cross. What kept my family in the right direction. What helped my children to grow up. I'm telling you what kept me through the hard times of life was the preaching of the word of God. And God has manifested his word through preaching. Preaching will save your soul. Preaching will quicken your conscience. Preaching will encourage your your heart. A preaching will lift your spirit. A preaching will pick you up when you're down. A preaching will clean you up when you're falling. A preaching will get you over the next hilltop. A preaching will see you through the desert times of life. I'm telling you preaching, it'll save your household. Thank God it'll save the world. It'll build a church. It'll magnify God. It'll please the Father. It'll bring the Holy Spirit. It'll elevate the scriptures. It'll glorify His name. It'll strengthen the saints. It'll encourage the church. I'm just saying thank God for preaching this morning. There's only two kinds of preaching that makes me want to preach. The ones that can and the ones that can't. You say, and I want to tell you this morning, I've been both. Because without him, there is no preaching. And when I think about the preaching of Jesus Christ, Jesus was the greatest preacher that ever walked in shoe leather. He wasn't a popular preacher. He wasn't a prestigious preacher. I want to say he wasn't a pious preacher. He wasn't a prideful preacher. Thank God he wasn't a political preacher. And he wasn't a pansy preacher, amen. He wasn't a pope preacher. He didn't build his preaching on personality. He didn't build it on performance. He didn't build it on popularity. But he was a plain preacher. He was a powerful preacher. He was a peculiar preacher. But he was a pure preacher. And he was a preaching preacher, amen. I didn't come to give a little talk this morning. I didn't come to bring a lesson, amen. I didn't come this morning to speak to you. I came to take the word of God 
and by the help of God and the grace of God uh, the best way I know how I came to preach amen uh, and brother there's every bit of hour when we need some men of God uh, that'll be anointed of God uh, and will preach that black back book uh, straight delivered across a pulpit without the fear and favor of man uh, and not preach for cars uh, and not preach for cash uh, and not preach for applause uh, and not preach for a pat on the back uh, it's the hour we're in tonight this morning uh, I'll tell you what kept America in the right way uh, what my friend kept this country uh, going in the right direction it wasn't politicians uh, it was preachers uh, who had a voice in this country uh, that preached uh, to demand uh, listen as a dying man to dying people and they preached uh, with a touch and the anointing of God and it made the difference hallelujah and Jesus made the difference didn't he and he made it through preaching this morning I think about the brief summary of his preaching. I was looking at that last night in Luke chapter 4 here. He nearly got killed after preaching the sermon. In Luke chapter 8, he delivered a sermon while sitting on a boat. And my friend in Matthew chapter 5 and 7, and then in Matthew chapter 24, two of his longest sermons that he ever preached, uh, he preached them on two mountaintops. Uh, he preached several times uh, around the, uh, near the temple in Jerusalem. He delivered two different sermons to preachers. He preached one sermon in John chapter 8 and verse 33 to defend himself but he preached another sermon in Matthew chapter 15 to defend his disciples. He used a little child in Matthew chapter 18 to illustrate one of his sermons. He preached one sermon in the upper room and he preached another sermon in the moonlight hours in John chapter 15 and 16 before he prayed that great high priestly prayer in John chapter 17. You say, what are you saying? I'm saying this morning that Jesus Christ is the prince of all preachers this morning. And even today, we preachers cannot preach without him. He was the preacher in the beginning. He's the preacher now. And he'll be the preacher in the end. Amen. There's never been a preacher like Jesus. During the first year of our Savior's ministry, he delivered one recorded sermon in his hometown here that we've seen. And he took the text in Isaiah 61, verses 1 and 2. During his second year of his ministry, he delivered five recorded sermons, uh, beginning in Matthew chapter number 5, uh, when he talked about the characteristics of the kingdom of heaven. Then he preached in Matthew chapter number 13, uh, and he gave us nine examples uh, of the kingdom of heaven. Then in Matthew chapter number 11 he preached on John the Baptist in John chapter number 5 he preached on judgment and resurrection in Luke chapter 9 he preached to the departing 12 as they were about to go out then during his third year he delivered four more recorded sermons as he preached in John chapter number 6 on the bread of life in Matthew chapter number 15 he preached on the source of defilement in John chapter number 10 he preached on the devil and his children. Amen. In John chapter 10, he preached on the good shepherd. You say, what are you saying? I'm saying Jesus covered all the bases. Amen. From the devil to the good shepherd, to the bread of life, to the source of defilement, to the characteristics of the kingdom, to judgment and resurrection. He preached the whole counsel of the word of God because he is the living word of God. Amen. Then during his fourth year, he delivered two recorded sermons. He preached on humility and hell in Mark chapter 9. 
In Matthew chapter 11, he preached to the departing 70. And during the last week of our Savior's life, he delivered four recorded sermons. He preached against the religious hypocrites in Matthew chapter 23. He preached on the final judgment of tribulation in Matthew chapter number 24. He preached on the Father's house in John chapter 14. And he preached on the vine and the branches in John chapter 15. I'm talking about the preaching of Jesus Christ. Uh, he preached the word of God. Eight of his most quoted sermons. Uh, we know them to be classics. Uh, in Matthew chapter number five, uh, through chapter number seven. There's the Sermon on the Mount where Jesus talked about the believer in the kingdom. He talked about the law in the kingdom. He talked about the Old Testament and the kingdom. He spoke about worship and the kingdom. He talked about entrance into the kingdom. What a sermon that was when he preached the Sermon on the Mount. Then in John chapter number five, he preached his source of life sermon as he talked about how he opened up a way, how that we could enjoy the Lord Jesus Jesus Christ in John chapter 5 and verse number 18. He talked about the two resurrections uh, that would be accomplished by Christ in John chapter 5 and verse 24. Then he talked about the four witnesses uh, uh, concerning Christ uh, in John chapter number 5 when he spoke about John the Baptist being a witness, uh, his own works being a witness, uh, God the Father being a witness, uh, and the scriptures being a witness. Uh, what a sermon that was. Uh, I'm telling you Jesus when he preached, uh, he didn't preach like the scribes and the Pharisees. He didn't preach like a bunch of liberal preachers out of seminary. They didn't have no call on their life. But when he spake, they said he spake with authority and not as the scribes. There was a distinction between their dead orthodoxy and his lively preaching. It had a touch. It had anointing. It had the blessings of God. It had God's approval. It had God's backing. It was the Old Testament and it was my friend the living testament before their eyes and God blessed it and God still blesses preaching today it worked then and it'll still work today hallelujah I think about his bread of life sermon in John chapter number six. When you see Christ in the crowd in verse number 22, Christ in the clergy, he calls them out in verses 41 down to verse 59. Christ in carnal and the carnal as he talks about them in John chapter six and verse 59. Christ in the chosen in John six and verse 67 uh, down to chapter, the next chapter in verse one. He talks about the disciples. Uh, then there's the feast of tabernacle sermon. There's a temple treasury sermon there's the Good Shepherd sermon there's the Mount Olive Discord sermon there's the Thursday night Passover sermon in John 14, 15 and 16 all of these sermons this morning are in the life of Christ and they're in that book amen and we ought to do well to study the preaching of Jesus Christ thank God for his message thank God for his miracles thank God for his ministry thank God for his message amen he came to preach the gospel to the poor, amen. The greatest day in all of our life was the day that our ears heard the gospel. The day that we heard preaching. And this morning in our text, what we have is we have the occasion of the sermon in verse 16. And he came to Nazareth where he had been brought up and as his custom was, he went into the synagogue on the Sabbath day and stood up for to read the occasion.
We find the text of his sermon in verse 17 down to verse 19. There was delivered unto him the book of the prophet Isaiah. They did not know what, where he would go. They did not know what he would preach. But the Bible says in verse 17 that when he had opened the book, he found the place where it was written. Can you imagine that? Uh, Jesus standing there in the synagogue uh, and one of those liberal scribes come over and give him the book uh, as it was the custom. Uh, and they just thought, well, he's just going to go through the mechanics of worship and he'll read a scripture. Oh, but he had a surprise for him. And can I tell you, that's what preaching does. Every time a man of God gets up and opens this book, it's the spirit of God, not the man, but the spirit of God in the book of God. It's always a surprise, isn't it? I'm telling you, listen, a man can take the text that we've heard preached from many, many times, but when God touches it and God anoints it, he'll bring that truth out. He'll apply it to our life and it's as fresh that time as it was the first time. Amen. You know what that is? That's preaching under the anointing of the Spirit of God and we must have it and we can't do without it. It's got a drawing effect. It's confrontational. It moves the heart of man and it moves the heart of God. It moves the hearts of individuals. I'm saying this morning Jesus took the text and he began to read. Amen. Look what he read in verse 18. He said, the spirit of the Lord is upon me. I don't want to hear a preacher preach that don't have the spirit of God on him. And as a preacher this morning, I can tell you that's our biggest fear every time we step behind the sacred desk is that we'll have information, but we won't have unction. The spirit of the Lord, every time Jesus preached, the spirit of God was upon him. And I see the surprise of his sermon in verse 20. He closed the book and he gave it again to the minister and he sat down and the eyes of all them that were in the synagogue were fastened on him. I mean, every eyes on Jesus and that's a good place to be and when every eyes on him but the sermon had got their attention and then there's the announcement of his sermon in verse 21. He began to say unto them, this day is this scripture fulfilled in your ears and notice my friend the power of a sermon and all bear him witness and wondered at the notice the gracious words which proceeded out of his mouth. I'm talking about the, the power. He had gracious words. It was the word of God. And then there's the reaction to his sermon in verse 22. And they said, is not this Joseph's son? Think about the sadness of his sermon because Jesus says in verse number 24, verily I say no prophet is accepted in his own country. I'm talking about there's no honor uh, that prophet has except in his uh, uh, he's not without honor except in his own country. And then there's the truth of his sermon in verse 25. But I tell you of a truth. You know that's what Jesus always told when he preached. Uh, he told people the truth. Amen. I'm going to tell you listen if a preacher is going to be known for anything he ought to be known for telling the truth. Amen. Not his truth uh, but God's truth. Uh, not the truth in his favor but God's truth uh, the truth the whole truth and nothing but the truth uh, he don't need to be known for a personality he don't need to be known as a politician he don't need to be known my friend as popularity but he needs to be known uh, for just being faithful to the word of God and preaching what thus saith the Lord and Jesus tells him the truth uh, and he goes into the illustration about the widow of Zarephath and he talks about naming the leopard and my friend we see 
see here uh, that the sermon on this day uh, that we find here that there was the anger of the sermon in verse 28 and all they in the synagogue when they heard these things look what the Bible says they were filled with wrath you know when I read that brother laddie I didn't I don't want to say I found comfort in it well I reckon I did I thought to myself every preacher feels terrible when you preach and people somebody gets mad and leaves might be somebody mad this morning but if you are don't leave but they got mad at what Jesus said and I thought about that why would they and of course we'll give an answer in a second but I'll tell you one reason why preaching gets under your skin you know what preaching's aimed to do deal with the heart teaching deals with the head information and we need that don't we we need knowledge but preaching goes beyond the head preaching gets down into the heart and what they heard made them mad and we find the danger over his sermon they rose up they thrust him out of the city they led him to the brow of the hill whereon the city was built that they might cast him down headlong. But notice the protection of the sermon. God always takes care of his man. But he passing through the midst of them, he went his way. Hear me this morning. The sermon in this text by the prince of preachers was delivered. It was divine. It was directed. But it was despised. And the reason it was despised was because these people had the same problem that a lot of people have today when they hear preaching. You say, what is that? Three little things. Let me give them to you and I'll be done. Number one, and I'm not going to preach them. Number one, this crowd had a familiar problem. They said, is not this Joseph's son? You know what their problem was? They couldn't see past the man to see the God man. They couldn't look past the physical to see the spiritual. And sometimes if you and I are not careful, we can get so familiar with preaching, so familiar with what we hear, so familiar with what we know, hey, so familiar with who we know and the mannerisms and the words and, and the delivery that sometimes we can fall in sync so much with that man as he's preaching because we kindly know in some way, some form, some fashion, we're so familiar with his personality, we're so familiar with his delivery or his that we can kindly run along the side with him sometimes uh, and you got to be careful in that sense uh, because while you're running along with him uh, you'll miss God in the midst of it amen uh, I'm telling you when God drops a sermon in your lap uh, uh, don't think about the man uh, he's just a messenger uh, you think about the God uh, I'm telling you when you come to church and a man of God gets up and takes his text uh, it doesn't matter if it's me or somebody else uh, you tune him out you tune heaven in uh, and you say speak Lord thy servant heareth. Amen. When you leave the house of God this morning I don't want anybody to go away and say wow what a great preacher. Not that anybody would. But we want to go away saying man what a great God. What a wonderful Savior. What a good Lord. I'm telling you it's got to be all about him. We got to make much about Jesus. And when it comes to preaching we ought to take it so personal that even when it gets into under our skin we ought to know that's him speaking to us. You say, now, Brother Gravely, you preached something the other day that you knew I did. 
and you preached it. Did you do it on purpose? Well, of course. I didn't do it on accident. I can tell you that. Did I target you? No. Did I preach to you? Yes. I just didn't preach around you. I know there's probably somebody here smokes cigarettes. And I'm not going to target. I mean, listen, they, you know, well, I better leave it alone, shouldn't I? It's hard to tell which end sucker's on sometimes, ain't it? But somebody smokes cigarettes, and I probably can tell now because I've seen two people frown at me. I don't want to make you mad. I sympathize with you. It's a, it's a nasty habit hard to break, and, and I got habits that's hard to break, so I'm not looking down my nose at you, but I'm trying to break mine. You try to break yours, amen? Uh, uh, listen, you'll live a little bit longer, maybe. I don't know, but you might uh, if you quit smoking. Uh, uh, but listen, I didn't come to preach on smoking, but I reckon I am. I'm just simply making a point when I say this this morning. Uh, I'm not gonna target somebody that smokes, uh, uh, but if God said hammer it, uh, I'm gonna drive that nail as far in as I can, amen? because that's what preaching does you say well I don't want to hear that I know you don't I don't want to hear some of the things I have to hear neither but it's good for us amen preaching my friend when it hits you don't get mad just feel like you've been blessed God loves you enough to come to the pew where you're at and deal with something in your life but don't get so familiar say well that was just brother Grabley saying that no it might have been me but it could be the Lord could be God One of my daughters said this to me one time. She said, Dad, I ain't have no friends. She said, I said, why? She said, because you preach stuff that people tell us. And then they think we tell you. Well, they don't tell me nothing. I don't even know what they're doing half the time. Well, it's quiet in here, ain't it? They don't tell me nothing. I've always, well, you know, we've always had this rule in our house. Now, they're out of our house, but growing up. When we sit down to talk, we talk as a family. And we talk about family. And we talk about church because church is our life. And we talk about church members because they're our friends, they're our family. But we don't ever talk about anything that we might know. You know why? Because we always wanted our children growing up, because this is the truth. We wanted them growing up believing God's people are the greatest people on planet earth. We never told them anything. Well, in return, they don't tell me anything, and I'm glad. Because when I step in the pulpit to preach, I want to preach with a clear conscience. I want to preach what God lays on me. And I tell you, listen, the only thing I can say about preaching is that listen, if I get in your if I get in your tater patch, I can't help it. Amen. It ain't me in your tater patch. Amen. It's God in your tater patch. Uh, you say, well, I've said something to so and so last week, and then you preached on it this Sunday. You think they went and told you? If they told me I wouldn't preach it that Sunday, I'd at least wait four Sundays. Amen. I mean, I'm not dumb. Amen. And I don't think you are neither. Uh, but I'm telling you one thing, it is just like God. Uh, when something comes up in our life, uh, when something comes up in a conversation, 
conversation. God will nudge a preacher and say, go ahead and say something right here. And go ahead and say something right there. Oh, I know it makes everybody nervous because half of y'all nervous right now. But I'm telling you, it's good for the blood pressure for every one of us to get a little bit nervous. I wouldn't go to church where a man of God couldn't preach on some things. I wouldn't go to church where a preacher was so lily-livered. He was afraid to say anything about anything. All I can say is I just know to preach what God lays on my heart. Let the chips fall where they are and you just have to swallow it. It'll help you. It'll make you grow. Amen. I wouldn't single nobody out. But I wouldn't avoid nobody neither. I'm telling you if the president came in here this morning, whoever the president is, I'm not sure he even knows. I wouldn't target him. But I'd preach this Sunday just like I did every Sunday. And if God said preach on the sins of America, I'd preach on it this morning. That's how we need to be. And I'll tell you, our churches, I'm going to just say this, and I know I'm in overtime, but it's all right this morning. I'm going to tell you where we're at in our churches. I see it every week. I'm not making a statement off the cuff. I'll tell you where we're at in our churches. People are scared literally to death to say anything. They've been so threatened by this demonic, wicked society. And their jobs, your jobs have been threatened. And I'll tell you, I understand. I, I'm, not preach, I'm not down on you this morning. I, I feel for you. Your jobs have been put on the line. Everybody, everybody's so politically correct in this society, it's sickening. They threaten you with a lawsuit over anything. What it's done, when you come to our churches and a man of God gets up to preach things that he's preached for years people are afraid online services and social media I know they're a blessing I'm not down on that this morning but they're afraid and people's afraid to, I'm going to tell you what you got to do you, I don't care what the, what's, it's coming down the pot folks you might as well drink about five gallons if I don't give a rip amen and just hang in there with the preacher don't worry about being politically. Somebody told me, they said, you can't say that no more. I said, why not? I've said it all my life. It wasn't vulgar. It wasn't out of context. It wasn't wrong. I'm not going to quit saying that. For the rest of you that weren't nervous, go ahead. I mean, if you got to bring a, listen, if you need to bring some Maalox to church with you to help you get through the service, go ahead. We'll, we'll, we'll provide you with some. But for heaven's sake, we don't ever, and we're not this way, but I'm just plowing it because it's got to be plowed. We don't ever need to get like some of them churches out there where you, listen, you can preach on Calvary and you can preach on the second coming. And I'm telling you, when you start preaching on sin, you start laying it out, I'm telling you, everybody gets locked jaw. Everybody gets quiet. I'm telling you, if you don't want your child to grow up a sodomite, if you don't want your grandchildren, child to grow up a sodomite, you better lasso up, lasso up and hang with a man of God and stay with him while he still plows. I'm telling you, I thank God there's still a few places you can go where you can still plow and you can still preach. Hallelujah. 
Isn't that right this morning? I say thank God for old timey, Holy Ghost, heaven sent, heartfelt. I say shame on the devil. I say shame on this wicked society. What this evil generation needs is some more God called men that'll stand up without the fear and the favor of others and preach a devil out of them. Woo, praise God. I'm telling you this morning, somebody sent me something the other day and said some liberal I posted something on the internet that I said here about a man having long hair. Well, I'm going to say it again. Let him repost it for all I care. The Bible said it is a shame for a man to have long hair. Go read it. Somebody... I mean, from somebody sent it to me from Indiana, good brother. Said, you know, somebody blowing you out. I said, I, I, I could care less what some liberal out there thinks about me. I slept like a baby that night. I'm going to tell you something. We got to get past what people say. I'm not talking about making enemies. I'm not talking about trying to stir up trouble. But I'll tell you something. Our country's in bad shape this morning. Our churches are closing their doors and dying across this land. And our children are going to hell in a handbasket. And the only thing that's going to save them is for some men of God to get some grit in their crawl and some steel in their heart and the Spirit of God on their life and preach. You know, these young people, I appreciate every one of you. Hey, hey, some of you young people here this morning, I wish you'd get right with God. I love you. I mean that. I love you. Hey, some of you adults, I wish you'd get right with God this morning. I'm going to say that be mean to you. I tell you, the, you know, the men that have cared for me were the men that just looked me right in my eyes and said, here's what it is. And Jesus looked at that crowd, but their problem was they were familiar. Well, I told you I wasn't going to preach it, but I just did. Their problem was familiarity. Their other problem was faith. They would not believe he was who he said he was. Now I'm going to tell you, unbelief, there's a difference in faith that struggles and unbelief. Unbelief makes a conscious choice, and that's what they did here, to not believe the word of God. There may be somebody here like that man in the Bible said, Lord, I believe, but help my unbelief. They're just struggling. They want to believe more. But then there are those who choose. God gives every man a measure of faith and every man has a choice to make with that measure of faith. Will you believe with all your heart? How do you know the difference between believing in your heart and believing in your head? I'll tell you the difference. When you believe with your heart, you give yourself to it. You see, I believe. There's a lot of things I believe today with my head. And I believe them. But I ain't giving myself to them. But I'll tell you something, 30-something years ago, I believed all my heart that Jesus died for my sins. And I ain't much this morning, and I believe you'll say the same thing, but we've given ourselves to it, haven't we? I ain't walking away from this. I believe it not with my head. I believe it with all my heart. I've given myself to this. That's how I know it's in my heart, not my head. They ain't changing my mind on today. They had a faith problem. They had a familiar problem. Then they had a flesh problem. They, they got mad. Oh, this morning. And I don't think there's nobody is mad today. I was just cutting up with you earlier. But, but if you are mad, 
Don't get mad at preaching. I never seen one person prosper that ever got mad at preaching. If you let a preacher, something he says gets you so sideways that you don't get past it and it causes you to deter, then listen, you're never going to be blessed. You're never going to be right. Thank God for preaching. I take it all. Men are not perfect. Men will say things sometimes. I've said things. Others have said things. But the bottom line is that book right there, that preaching the Word of God, it'll help you. Don't get mad at preaching. Don't, don't leave a church over preaching if it's, if it's doctrinally correct, if it's right, and it's done in the right spirit. Oh, don't get mad at preaching. Let preaching help you as we stand this morning.